Welcome to episode 4 of the Sectarian States. When discussing the breakup of the United States, one question that comes up is money. One way the United States is connected is through its common usage of the dollar, and for better or for worse, one way that the world is connected is through the dollar. So it would be worthwhile to discuss a post-dollar world. Most people in the U.S. have never had to use a currency other than the dollar, and more specifically, the Federal Reserve note. Some people may be old enough to remember gold as money or silver certificates, but if you remember those, you are already several years into retirement. The dollar, as a term, has an interesting history we won't get into here, but except for the last century or so, it was tied to gold. And that's a problem with breaking up our current system. If we still lived in a system where $20 equaled an ounce of gold, or $35, or $38, or whatever, then the breakup of the United States would not present that much of a monetary problem. The United States would announce its breakup, and those dollar bills would represent an amount of gold or silver in some vault somewhere, so you would exchange your dollar bills for gold or silver, or for an equivalent amount of money that also equaled the amount of gold or silver. If the US dollar were $20 to an ounce of gold, and the Minnesota walleye was 20 walleyes to an ounce of gold, and the U.S. collapsed, you could take your dollar to the bank and, as it still has some amount of gold or silver or whatever backing it, you either exchange your dollar for 1 20th an ounce of gold or a silver coin, or you could exchange it for a walleye, which also has some gold or silver somewhere backing it. That's not to say it wouldn't be problematic. If too many people tried to redeem their dollars at once, the banks might have some problems redeeming them. But if a dollar and a walleye were both backed by gold or silver or whatever, then the Minnesota government could do some stuff. Stuff that my libertarian self might not necessarily agree with, but stuff that might be considered optimal by most people to restrict specie payment and only exchange dollars with walleyes. The longer people would have to prepare for such an event, the less likely any bank runs would occur, but it's still a possibility either way. But we don't live in a gold standard world, we live in a fiat world. For most of human history, money has been backed by something, but now the US dollar, the premier currency the world over, is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government and nothing else. So instead of me imagining the easy world of currency convertibility, now we have to figure something else out. From last episode, we discussed a few different ways the U.S. could break up. For review, and now that I'm thinking about it, putting them all in one sentence for the first time, we have civil war slash revolution, immediate peaceful, over time peaceful, and modification. Modification need not even have a currency change, so we don't have to worry about that. The violent ways we have some examples of, but I'm not so sure about our peaceful ways. With civil war, whatever states go to war will start issuing their own money, and they may or may not exchange dollars for that money. Civil wars are easy that way, I suppose. There are states fighting against states. Revolutions? They probably go something the same, something along the same way. Uh, once they start getting big enough, they'll start making their own money. The people who accept the money will accept both dollars and whatever money the revolution prints, unless they greatly support one side or the other. It's the peaceful dissolution that would be more complicated. Because the U.S. dollar is backed by the U.S., then if there's no more U.S., the U.S. dollar isn't backed by anything. 
The most disruption would be caused by the immediate dissolution of the Constitution as the dollar would effectively lose all value overnight because the only thing that gives it value is the full faith and credit of the United States government which no longer exists from one day to the next. Or, or would it? After the fall of the Soviet Union, the Soviet ruble was still used for a while by former Soviet states. Now, a bit of difference is that the Soviet planned economy collapsing caused huge price inflation as the price of money was brought closer to market equilibrium, but putting that aside, something similar could happen in the future former United States. Former Soviet states used the ruble for a while, with each state government managing their own ruble. The Baltic states left the doomed ruble zone, as it were, and started using their own currency within a year. At first, they tied their currencies to other currencies, the Deutschmark, the dollar, and the IMF special drawing, right? But later gained national control over their own currencies, and later these all joined the European Union. I see no reason why something along those lines couldn't happen with various states of the United States. It was a bit tumultuous, yes, but the Baltics have done pretty well for themselves in the meantime. The Estonian Kron, for example, was pegged to the Deutschmark and later to the Euro, and later they started using the Euro. How hard would it be for a former U.S. state to do something similar? The state could initially agree to continue using the dollars in circulation, digital as well as physical, of course, and plans would begin almost immediately for the states or confederations of states to begin adopting other currencies. Minnesota could peg the walleye to the Canadian dollar for a while before going their own way. Even if the state's transitions don't go as nicely as the Baltic states and instead follow other former Soviet state trajectories, not all hope is lost. One of the major problems of the post-Soviet countries is that their economies were highly centrally planned, which led to an inflation of sorts once these countries were liberalized. There will no doubt be some heavy price fluctuations in the post-US as once federally subsidized products or services are no longer done so at a federal level, but at the worst, the new independent states can simply raise taxes, etc. to accommodate those products or services as they see fit. Some products, such as sugar, may actually become cheaper as states now import their sugar from outside the US, something that can only be done on a limited basis right now due to sugar quotas. Other products, such as grains, may become more expensive due to the high subsidies on them. Some products, such as oil, will have a much more uncertain future because oil companies often make very high profits, but they are also highly regulated and also highly subsidized. One of the biggest consumers of a great many products is the U.S. military, and even supposing 50 or so new armies, navies, air forces, etc., the post-U.S. will likely spend less on military matters than the current U.S., which will in turn drive down prices through less demand. Regardless, a sudden death of the U.S. Constitution and immediate dissolution of the compact between the states will certainly mean a time of uncertainty. That uncertainty, however, doesn't mean that the states will necessarily be in a worse position after, say, 10 years than they would have if the states had remained united. The future of those states would be in the hands of the states themselves and the citizens of those states. States following good policies will be better than those who follow bad policies, of course, but Though we may feel bad for those living in bad policy states, it must surely be preferred to everyone living in a single bad policy state. I'm not going to go into as much detail with this one, but another example of monetary breakup and country breakup is the former Czechoslovakia. Between agreeing to break up and breaking up was done around a month. The monetary breakup happened about a month later. This was a much better managed dissolution, and it only really took a few months. If the current U.S. decided to break up and took, say, four years, that would give various governments and such more time to prepare to make transitions smoother, etc. One thing I will admit, uh, I don't think there's something out there like what I want. There is no exact comparison to a peaceful devolution of power from a highly centralized government to multiple subordinate governments over a period of several years. 
That kind of decentralization usually happens after some shock, such as the fall of the Soviet Union or a revolutionary war. The Czech and Slovak breakup happened so quickly in part because the two regions already had some autonomy from each other. You could, however, look at that in a much longer run. Uh, Czechoslovakia came into being after Austria-Hungary broke up, and during that entire time, the Slovaks and other ethnic minorities weren't particularly fond of the Czechs, who basically were ruling over the minorities. During its time in the Soviet bloc, Czechoslovakia, at least on paper, was turned into two countries, the Czech Socialist Republic and the Slovak Socialist Republic, who had, again, theoretical, equal powers, although Slovakia was still dominated by the Czech Republic. So in a way, there was a slower devolution of powers beyond the month or so that occurred in 1992, and that devolution started happening almost immediately after the creation of Czechoslovakia. So let's say that we don't want to dissolve the United States in the moment, let's say we give it some extra time. What would that look like on the monetary front? From the point of view of the federal government, it could simply mean relinquishing the monopoly on creating money. If the states or state associations had some heads up that, hey, in a year, the dollar will be gone, they can come up with their own plans. I touched on this a bit in the last episode, but if Minnesota knew that the dollar was going to be gone in a year, they could do, well, they could do a lot of different things. One thing I suggested was that Minnesota Exemplagratia could create the walleye currency and start out with one walleye equal to one dollar. As time goes on, the walleye and the dollar would separate, especially if the inflationary debt elimination techniques I'll talk about later happen. And eventually, when you go to your local Target, you'll notice that the big prices are in walleyes and the small prices are in dollars. Your bank deposits and state banks would be instantly transferred to walleyes. Your bank deposits and federal banks would require some finagling, and you might have to switch from Wells Fargo to Bremer, or Wells Fargo, Minnesota could start operating under a dual currency, accepting dollars and walleyes. And California bears and Florida palms and Texas pecans and Oklahoma bumblebees, etc., this seems complicated, perhaps, but historically, when U.S. banks printed their own currency backed by their own gold, they had different rates, and if you brought in a dollar from Bank A to a store and bought something, they'd consult the chart to see how much your Bank A banknote was worth, charge you accordingly, give you change, and that was the norm. Now, with computers and debit cards, it's so much easier. You can take out your Wells Fargo debit card to Canada and pay with that card, and the bank does the conversion and everything for you. All you do is swipe the card. The same would be true of dollars while they last in local currencies. If it takes $10 to make one walleye, the card swipe would still be all you need. Before you order, you might have to bring up an app on your phone for today's currency conversion, so you know that when you order the three walleye burger, it's going to take six US dollars out of your bank account, or if you cross the border and notice that the Wisconsin burgers are priced in cheese heads, that the two cheese head burger will cost you three walleyes. That's not even taking into consideration that a lot of border cities will even make prices in both or multiple currencies known. Oh, you're Minnesotan? Uh, do you want our menu priced in walleyes or cheese heads? Or, oh, this menu has prices in cheese heads, but walleyes and cardinals as well. You might think this is confusing, but I cannot say enough how many really dumb sailors I knew who easily picked up on this while buying things not denominated in dollars while we were overseas. For a moment, let's go back to the olden days of banking. There are some states that might try to do a more laissez-faire approach. I kind of doubt that the states themselves would do it, but perhaps a couple of states might just allow banks to print out their own banknotes, like has been done for many countries, including ours at many times. Perhaps New Hampshire doesn't want a central bank. Even if the state governments don't just go full free banking, perhaps they might not create a monopoly on money creation. 
So you could have the Central Bank of Minnesota issuing walleyes, but you also have banks that run on Bitcoin or Ethereum or both or many other cryptocurrencies. And or you could have banks that use gold or silver. You could have banks that use all three or all five or however many you want to put in there. Those are, of course, my pie-in-the-sky libertarian dreams, and I'm pretty certain that if we got 50 independent states, we would get 50 independent central banks, or maybe even less, as some states may wish to enter into currency unions. Perhaps Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama don't want to be all one nation, but they might agree to use the same currency and could set up a bank where they all use, I don't know, the gator. Last, and not my favorite idea, is not giving up the dollar at all. The various states of the European Union almost all use the euro as a currency, taking the US from a highly centralized federal government that it is now and turning it into a currency union might not be the worst idea. The Federal Reserve System can change its shape and form, throw in a few more banks, and service the 50 states united by dollars. It wouldn't be terribly hard to do, and given enough time they could probably work out any bugs. Again, not a big fan of this idea, but if people are really scared about losing the dollar, we could just keep the dollar. Another thing to consider is our national debt. One thing that could be done is prior to eliminating the dollar is to essentially superinflate the dollar. The US has, as of me writing the script for this podcast, $27 trillion in debt. One way the US could pay this off is by creating $27 trillion and depositing that money into the accounts that hold the debt. That's just the reality of fiat currency. That would screw over a lot of debtors, although I doubt most people care about them all too much. It would also screw with a lot of retirement plans that hold U.S. debt as part of the portfolio. Another idea would be to split the debt into 50 or so different parts, and give each state a part of the debt equal to the number of citizens living in that state, or some other way. The ways to separate the debt out are myriad. To get back at those smaller states, we could split it into 538 parts and give each state a part per electoral college vote. For once, the electoral college math will actually work out in favor of the larger states. The debt question would, of course, be moot if we just kept the U.S. as a currency union, but, but if we did not have a currency union, then I don't think it would be impossible to figure out some way to deal with the debt. Basically, if the U.S. fell apart tomorrow, or if we had a decade to plan for it, the money issue is not much of an issue at all. The various states or associations of states would figure it out probably pretty quickly. The post-Soviet Soviet bloc figured it out, more or less. The Czech Republic and Slovakia figured it out in a month or so. Really, the only problem left is the rest of the world. The United States has made itself so indispensable to the rest of the world through our money, through our military, and by indispensable, I also mean that we've screwed some stuff right up. What is the rest of the world to do? The US is hardly the first superpower to crash, and it's not the first empire to fall. The rest of the world, especially if given as much notice as I suggest, can figure out its own affairs. Foreign banks or governments holding U.S. debt will very quickly want to liquidate that debt. It will be a bit chaotic, yes, but frankly, perhaps this is what the world deserves. More importantly, this might be a lesson that the world needs. Do not be so reliant on another country that if they were to fall, your own country would fall as well. And most countries would be fine, especially again given enough time to prepare. There will be quite likely a recession or even a depression, but like most such events, the recession is the hard medicine needed to realign existing resources. Let it happen, work your way out of it, and your country will be stronger at the end of it for having abandoned the US dollar. Or cheap out and start using the euro or something as a replacement. Hey, it's your country, your call. That's it from me today, everyone. 
You can find me at YouHadMeAtHayek on Twitter if you have questions or comments, or if you want to read my random tweets about politics, booze, or cute animal retweets. Until next time, take it easy.